Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 189. This week on the show, I've got an incredible conversation with Joseph Lazary of the band Reconciler. Uh, huge shout out to him for having this conversation. I really think this is a band that you guys need to have on your radar if it's not already. They're getting ready to release the second album, and that album is called Art for Our Sake. Uh, it's going to be dropping via Smart Punk Records, which is dope as well. Um, but yeah, we talked a lot in this conversation about kind of that deflating feeling of building momentum and then the pandemic happening and, you know, the music industry basically taking a pause on a lot of stuff. Uh, we talked about the creation process for this new album, how some of those songs are are structured and the process that goes into building some of them and things like that. Um, and we even got a little bit deep. We talked about because of the album and, you know, some of the themes and song themes that exist. We talked about things like deja vu and, uh, how that may relate to multiverses or alternate realities. And, um, just took this really weird, but awesome philosophical turn for a little bit. Um, but I had a great time talking with him. I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So let's dive in. This is my conversation with Joseph of the band Reconciler. Awesome, man. So, um, yeah, let's kick this off. So I do start with the same boring ass question every time. It's a simple introduction. Who are you? little background on yourself. Yeah, my name is uh, Joseph Lazary. Uh, I play guitar and sing in Reconciler and uh, live in Atlanta, Georgia. Awesome, man. So uh, for those that aren't familiar with with the band, um, relatively new in the sense that, you know, you've got some some time under your belt in this this project being from about 2016 but then there was also like two and a half years of fucking covid that ruined everything so what's it like you know you guys were building this momentum really trying to to make a name and then the world shuts down and puts you in this really weird spot it's uh it's fucking depressing yeah that's it's absolutely fucking depressing yeah um you know we were uh we were supposed to uh, tour Europe for the first time in 2020. Um, and like recently I was going back through my uh, reverb.com purchases and uh, remembered that I bought a flight case for my guitar at like March 17th, 2020. And, uh, and the seller was like, hope this case takes you to some great places. <laughs> <laughs> and then four days later, the world was shut down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought about emailing him back through reverb like now in 2024 and be like, Hey, it's still in my closet upstairs. I haven't seen it since then, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a little crazy, but like the, you know, the playing field's kind of leveled cause it was crazy for everybody, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's strange. We've been a band for seven years and we're just now finally about to release our second record. Um, but just yeah, doing what we can do. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you said that, you know, that it's strange for everyone and, and that it was strange for everyone. Cause that was, you know, like, not that we want to make light about the situation at all. Like the pandemic obviously was a very serious thing and all of that, but the one very minor silver lining when it comes to the music industry was that it affected everybody. So it leveled that playing field to who wants to do this, you know, who's willing to put in the work, who's willing to write, who's willing to, to still pursue this, or, you know, there were definitely some bands that used that time to reflect and went, you know, maybe this isn't what I want to do. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, you know, some bands that, uh, that I really love, called it quits during that time and like didn't get to play a farewell show or do a farewell tour it was just that was it you know yeah um and you know there's nothing really romantic about that but <laughs> it just is it just is what it is um so but you know in that sense i think we're really fortunate that we did keep doing this and we did make another record and through all the hoops we've had to jump through since you know COVID is over air quotes. Yeah. Um, yeah. As it's like maybe worse than it's ever been right now. Um, but like, you know, we did those things and 
I feel extra proud of this record that we made because of that, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's, you know, that's one of the big things is being able to look at the, the art that you were able to produce through that time and go, you know, maybe, maybe if things would have went differently, this would not even maybe almost a hundred percent guarantee, right? The record wouldn't be the same record if the pandemic didn't happen. Absolutely not. No. And like, you know, I remember when we like, when we first started writing for this record, which is definitely in the midst of the pandemic, you know, like I remember talking to my bandmates and being like, I don't want to make a COVID record, you know, like, you know, everybody, you know, everybody that writes songs and lyrics right now is writing how it's how about how much it sucks to stay inside or whatever, you know, and I was like, I don't want to do that. But it was completely unavoidable, you know, and like, there were a couple songs on the record that I was like, all right, this, this is the COVID song. It is, you know, (laughs) and then like a little distance from that. And I was like, wasn't so much a COVID song. It was like, it was like, you know, intense life during that time song. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's one, you know, which is one thing for me. I feel like, you know, I sit down to write a song about something that's sparked by an idea. I do that thing. I think I wrote a song about a thing. And then like a year later, I'm like, that song wasn't so much about what I thought it was about, you know, just kind of let it flow out. But yeah, no, I mean, this record is heavily informed by, you know, the last few years for sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, you know, to your point, like on the one hand, yes, it is a, a COVID song because it happened during that time. But I think the the kind of interesting thing about the pandemic from a mental health standpoint is everybody got very introspective. Everybody had to sit with their thoughts and their demons and and deal with stuff that maybe they wouldn't normally deal with. So t- kind of to your point there, I think while it may be a COVID song, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a song just about life and going through the hard times. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think for me, I'm naturally uh, an introspective, pretty heavy hearted person, I think, you know, <laughs> uh, but so I actually, I think I probably found a little camaraderie during that time period where kind of like everybody was doing that. I'm just like, mm-hmm. welcome to the club, brother. You know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we've been sad boys over here. Come on. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Cause I, you know, speaking for myself, I've dealt with mental health and depression as long as I can remember. And most of my friend group, not on the same level with me, you know, and then COVID totally. happened and they had to sit through some of their thoughts and they're like, is this what you like normally go through? I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a normal day for me. Sorry. Take my hand. I got you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's let me leave this, this ship now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's dive into the new record, right? So you sure. got a, a new album called uh, Art for Our Sake, going to be dropping early February via Smart Punk Records. Let's start with that. How dope is it to be with Smart Punk? I mean, talk about a label that just has a fucking roster and a name that everybody can respect. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's also being co-released by uh, Gunner Records in Germany, which mm-hmm. I should probably just throw in there real quick. Um, but we we love Smart Punk. Um, we've known all of those guys for a really long time. Um, you know, I've played shows with all of their bands, you know, over mm-hmm. the years and stuff. Um, so when we found ourselves needing a label this year, you know, that was our first choice. It was like, let's, you know, let's go to smart punk. And they were like, yeah. come on over. And we were like, well, that was an open and shut case. You know, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think they're one of those bands, especially in this type of music scene. Um, I hate fucking genre labels because they don't fit anybody, but in this alternative, yeah kind of post-hardcore, kind of emo thing, right? In this, uh, we'll just call it non-mainstream music space. Um, Smart Punk has been around for so long and kind of dominating in that space under the radar, right? Like yeah. people recognize Fearless Records, Hopeless, some of those guys, but they don't 
always recognize that smart punk was like pioneers in this space. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think a lot more people are going to start to recognize smart punk as a household name in that realm right now. Uh, you know, I feel like they're definitely making some moves to take up more space in that. And, you know, one thing that I respect about all of those guys so much is they're working so hard to do the thing that they're doing. You know, like you don't see a punk festival in this country that doesn't have a smart punk tent set up and a smart mm -hmm. punk banner. Um, you know, they're always just on it, on the grind, you know, and it's admirable. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so diving into the the record, like you said, you kind of wrote this through the pandemic, a little bit post pandemic as you're, you know, doing the mixing and production and things like that. Uh, something I don't do is ask the specifics of any songs anymore because I don't want to ruin it for somebody that makes a connection. Um, but let's talk about some of these because I got the advanced stream. I was able to listen to it on my way home from work today. Sweet. There's a lot of this really cool for people that are curious, just sonically, like where you're at, it's hard to describe, but the band that kept coming to mind as I heard your voice and just some of the sonic space is like old school alkaline trio. You've got like this really cool, like gravelly punk feel, but also not so like misfits or something where you can't get into it if you're not of this genre. Yeah, sure. I appreciate it. I, I, that's a high compliment. Thank you. Yeah. So for you writing, writing this album uh, and putting, you know, kind of your heart on the sleeve to some extent with some of these words. What was it like or what's it like for you in this space where you're creating an, a piece of art that is so personal to you, but also at some point handing it over to the world to go, hey, uh, this is how I feel about stuff. <laughs> yeah, lost your, it's, uh... uh, there he is. Okay. I lost you for a split second. It's such a difficult thing, man. Like, you know, back, okay. Um, sorry, the internet's probably a little spotty here. Yeah, it's probably all, all good. my ends. Sorry yep, about that. All good. We're um, back now. So every, uh, cool. Um, I feel like every step of this process is super vulnerable and anxiety inducing for me. Like, you know, normally uh, when I write a song, I'll demo it in some fashion upstairs in my house, whether it's just like a voice memo of me playing acoustic guitar and singing into my phone or like, you know, with my little USB rig hooked up to my computer and actually tracking some electric guitars and, you know, overdubbing vocals or whatever I do. Uh, but I do that thing. That's an idea. And I'll text that thing over to my bandmates. Like, here's a new one. What do you think? And if it goes like four hours with no reply, like, that four hours i'm fucking dying dude yeah <laughs> and like i hope i hope darren who plays bass in reconciler i hope he listens to this episode and he hears this right now and he'll <laughs> laugh but like i'm fucking dying darren reply <laughs> to my text message um but like so i'm gonna you know, waiting right now <laughs> <laughs> there's almost none almost none right now like uh, you know we rang the lemon pretty dry for this one <laughs> um we like we recorded 16 songs during this batch so yeah um nice. but so yeah, and then like you put like all of this effort and you kind of build this wave of pushing this thing toward the end of like pre-production if you're so lucky, which we were this time, and then going to the studio and doing the thing. And then it goes through mixing, bouncing that back and forth of like, do these mixes work? Let's change, what's this sound? What's that sound? Let's do that. And every step, it's just like, it's moving and moving and moving. And then we approve mixes, masters come back, everything sounds great, we send it off. And then I just sit here and stew about it for like six months. <laughs> I'm like, is this the best record I've ever made? Is it going to be really cool? Are people going to love it? Is this the worst shit that's ever happened? Are people going to hate it? Like, is it going to get like four listens? And people are going to be like, that was dog shit. And like, you know, your brain can just run away with you. It's like, that. Yeah. <laughs> like, so this is, there's a little bit of a weird, like empty nest syndrome with finishing up a record, sending it off. And then all the stuff that has to happen there. So right now, I feel like I'm starting to get a little bit back to normal, with like singles coming out, talking about it a little bit. People are like texting me like, hey, heard that single. 
dug it or hated it or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah. it's kind of that. Yeah. Which is, is awesome to hear in the sense that I think that's the unspoken thing, right? Like the yeah. corporate answer from a lot of artists is normally the, Oh no, you know, it's really cathartic and this and you know, everything's easy. And it's like, no, it's fucking yeah. not. Don't lie to me. Like, there's no way yeah. it's easy. And you have to pretend like, you know, it's such a fluid thing. Like you just write it and you go into the record, you know, you go into right. the recording studio, you record it, and then it just flies out to the world. It's like, no, dude. It does it yeah. doesn't like and it doesn't and, for anybody, I don't think. Maybe no, it does. And, I don't know it's probably such a minute number of people that it does. You know what I mean? Like maybe Eminem walks into the booth and just lays it down and is done, but yeah. very few people. But I think too, it, it goes to like on that anxiety side of things, right? Like you send it off for, for mixing and mastering. And it's like, should I have used this to rhyme instead of this? Like, could I have changed this hook? Which one would be grabbier? Like, fuck, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, I've, I'd try to let those little things just be the fuel for the next thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like if I think of a better idea for something that's set in stone, you know, like if I think of a better idea for that, that just means that I learned something from that song. You know what I mean? Right. I'm never going to make a perfect song, but I learned something to carry on to the next one. So like try not to stress out too much about like, you know, I should have used a different word or like if I would have played that E chord as like, you know, higher up on the neck or low, you know, or, I mean, it's just yeah. like, it is what it is. Yeah. But I think too, you know, anytime you're creating a, a very personal piece of art like this, um, there's also, you kind of alluded to it, a bit of imposter syndrome too, right? Like now that it's created and it's going to go out in the world, that is this good enough? Am I good enough? Are people going to care starts coming up? Yeah, for sure. Sure. I mean, you know, like, I think making art of any kind, it's all the same energy. It's putting it out there in the same way. Um, but like, you know, for me, those things, they only need to exist if you're trying to start a dialogue with another person or another group of people. You know, it's like, otherwise like why why do it you know so that's like that's that's where the nerves come in you know it's like is it going to connect with people because like i'm just doing this because like obviously i'm not great at connecting with people in this life and i'm trying to figure that shit out you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. why do you think i have this podcast right like <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah it, it is it's it's something there's something inherent with um this introvert introspective society that some of us exist in um where our outlets have to be in these kind of odd quote-unquote odd uh situations being a musician being an artist of some sort a creative of some sort and i think it's because so often uh you know let's get a little bit deep here i guess but like so often through like childhood or whatever like Maybe we didn't have a big network of friends. We didn't connect with people, whatever it is. So then our outlet is almost an overcorrection, right? I don't want to connect with the 10 people around me. I want to connect with 100,000 people across the world. Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so for you, as you wrote this album, um, let's dive into a, a few of them because I do think, you know, even if we're not going to start diving into like the specifics of, the songs about, you know, my dog getting hit by a car or whatever. I think it is important to talk about just kind of like the song craft, right? Um, mm -hmm. So let's start with the title track, Art For Our Sake. Talk a little bit about this, the concept of it, and just kind of the way that you guys start crafting the soundscape and the delivery for what your style is. You know, a lot of our... Uh... A lot of our songs are collaborative these days, um, at least musically. Um, that one, I feel like I just kind of handed that one in pretty, uh, pretty finished up. Um, and so, so yeah, it kind of goes back and forth. You know, we can start with riffs and stuff, but that's like, that's a song that like I had this idea for it probably like, I don't know, 
two, three years ago. And it lit, that song literally took me two years to write. Some of the other ones I wrote, you know, in 25 minutes while drinking my coffee, you know. Um, it just took a long time because I was like, I was trying to write this manifesto for like how to live, how to live well as an artist, how to like find some happiness in that existence, you know? And I feel like every time I set out to do something like that, like I'm going to write this kind of positive anthem for that thing or an act or a feeling or whatever it is, like I get distracted halfway through and I have to be honest about all the pitfalls of that shit. So it's <laughs> like that song is sort of a manifesto about being an artist. Um, but it's also an admission of like, if you're really going to try to live that life, make money from making art, like you're going to be cutting off one hand to fill the other one. And it's yeah. almost impossible. You know I mean? It's like, it's very difficult. So that's like, yeah. uh, that's, that became like this weird struggle song, you know? And like, because my day job is being an artist. Like I'm, I play in this band, but like my day job is being an artist. And it's like something I contend with all the time of like, you know, how do I live authentically and be honest to my like creative spirit, you know, and still not literally starve to death. <laughs> you know, so it's like, that's what yeah. that song is about. Yeah. <clears throat> and I thought too, you know, like for me, when I was listening to it, it reminded me of uh, uh, Rick, Ruby, uh, Rick Rubin quote that I just saw that I'm going to have to paraphrase. Um, but basically it was that the listener comes last, right? So when it comes to music, yeah, the listener's opinion, this is going to sound really shitty to, to some people, but I think it out of context, it'll sound shitty in context. It'll make sense. The listener is the last person that matters on how they feel about a song for the fact that if it's going to connect with them, it's going to connect with them. But if I'm writing disingenuous music, then I'm not doing myself justice to make my art. Or, or anyone else for that matter. Yeah. Like, uh, I think, I think that quote is probably from his book, the creative act. Yes. Um, and it blew me away. I read that book twice. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, but yeah. And like, and honestly, it's kind of funny that you, that you, uh, brought that quote up because I actually flipped back through it recently and had highlighted some passages, you know, and that was one yeah. of them that I had highlighted, you know, it's like, because it is a thing I struggle with of like, are people going to connect with this stuff? Are like, does it matter that I'm doing this at all? You know? Um, and it's, I don't know, just a really excellent point that he made of like, if you do it for yourself and you're just actually honest about what you're trying to do, you don't have to worry about will people connect with it because people will connect with it. Like as human beings, we're not like, we're not all that different from one another, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the misconception. And that's one of the things I love about doing music journalism is I've been doing this for almost 20 years now. And, you know, when I started, um, back in 2003-ish, um, there was still very much a disconnect, even between quote-unquote entry-level rock stars and the crowd, right? Like the internet didn't really exist all that well, so people weren't accessible. There was this disconnect on, oh, they're on stage, so they're better than me. They're, you know, they're different than me, whatever. And through music journalism, um, it really opened my eyes to like, it's funny because I have friends that are always, don't you get nervous talking to these artists and shit? And I'm like, no, they're fucking people. That's what you guys are forgetting. At the end of the day, yeah. everybody I talk to is just a fucking human being that happens to be good at something. Like, it doesn't matter to me if it's, you know, no offense to you, you, Justin Bieber, whoever, right? Like, at the end of the day, you're a fucking human being. So why would I be nervous about talking to another human being and hearing their point of view or their you know yeah their art you know i would imagine that probably a hundred percent of the musicians that you talk to are probably more nervous to be talking to you than you are to them <laughs> i hope that's not the case i try to be pretty laid back but i do get what you're saying like because yeah. you know you're putting your image out there right and it's yeah will these things get clipped out of context you know if i said 
not that I have a bad thing to say about Rick Rubin, but you know, if I make a comment about Rick Rubin and that's the only piece that somebody takes is, Oh, he said, fuck Rick Rubin. No, he didn't listen to the whole quote <laughs> or the whole story. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, back to the, the album here. Um, let's go into, so art for our sake, obviously the title track. Um, and I think, the next one that like really grabbed me again, as I'm driving. So, you know, for what it's worth pulling me out of paying attention to other motherfuckers on the road uh, <laughs> was the uh, 38 regular out of this grave. I don't even know what it was. Just as soon as that song kicks in, my attention immediately went to my phone to see like which track that is and everything. Talk a little bit about, you know, again, building this soundscape, and kind of the the placement of it because i think where it falls on the album is really important too right yeah 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 um well that was that was the first song that we wrote for this for this record and uh for a while i think we considered it to be an opening track um but just like didn't really tell the story that I think it needed to, you know, and like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like I was mentioning earlier about a couple of them being like, well, that's the COVID song. This is definitely, you know, that yeah. for sure. Um, but there's an arc in this record that like kind of begins with some naive optimism in the opening track. And then like cynicism really, kicks in quick in the rest of side a yeah and it it almost side a kind of ends with sort of a death in a way of yeah. like a death of like a former way of living a death of a former way of thinking and 38 regular became track one side b because it just feels like this kind of waking up again mm -hmm. you know kind of feeling uh and it's called 38 regular because uh, that's actually that intro riff is actually a riff that Darren, our bass player wrote uh, and he brought it in and uh, he didn't, uh, he didn't make any connections that that riff sounds like almost like a 38 special song that doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> and so the joke title of it became 38 regular. Like it's not as good as 38 special, you know, yeah. uh, and I was like, this is not going to be fucking called this when the record comes out, like, you know, <laughs> and then uh, by the time the record came out, I was like, I can't change the name of this film. <laughs> right. So it's just it's just 38 regular. Uh, it sounds like a like a kind of small suit size now. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think it's funny when you have those types of stories, too, because it's like, A, there's the inside joke, but B, now that that inside joke is out there for everyone, um, it, it's going to be one of those things that everybody pays attention to. Like, now I have to go listen to that song, and then I'm going to yeah. go play 38 Special, and then I'm going to come back to that song and be like, okay, yep. Yeah, that's what I hope their 38 Special's lawyers aren't listening to this particular episode. Eh. No, no, it's I, not. I feel we, like that's on me, we not really, <laughs> Nah, we, we checked it, you know? I was like, nah, it's, it's good. It's not yeah. that close. Yeah. <laughs> just ask uh, vanilla ice you only have to change one note and the and the, <laughs> the tuning right like it'll be fine um <laughs> so like you said kind of side b of this album if you will as you go into the tail end of it um kind of brings around this almost a, a renewed sense of optimism, right? So like, yeah. you start off kind of, like you said, like this naive optimism, realize, hmm, this is, isn't how life works. You know, the cynicalism, uh, cynicism pulls in and everything. And then this rebirth of optimism and kind of a, just a whole new perspective, right? It's almost like taking off the rose colored glasses, seeing the world for what it is and going, okay, but I'm not going to let it kill me. Like, I'm going to move forward through this. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, that's, you know, if there's if there's anything that I could hope that a listener would get from that record as a whole, it's that journey, you know? And, you know, 
that's the concept of that record is like it really ends where it begins again but just with some more wisdom about the world you know and like just that idea of this like concentric circle spinning around playing music and there's no real ending or beginning to it we just keep going through these phases in our life you know um you know we might think that we made it to like where we need to be and then you just realize there's a whole new set of pitfalls and you just got to keep working at it and keep you know keep going yeah um so that's it yeah yeah so uh which i think kind of plays into the never fade away right so you kind of have that transition to this new perspective new you know line of thinking mode of thinking and then never fade away hits you and it's kind of this for me it was kind of this like almost like a memory right like remember these things because they never fade away but to your point like those are the experiences that are going to help you get through the next stages of whatever you're dealing with sure you know and i i think it's also like uh you know, the hope there is that there's a refusal to give up no matter what, right? No matter how bad it gets, you know, like, you know, no matter how hard it is to live well, to be happy in this country that we live in, in this world that we live in, you know, like, yeah, no matter how bad it gets, it's like, what's, what's the point of not, you know, like, you know, there's no good way out. So like, you know, we might as well just be as much of a thorn in the side of all these people that are calling the shots as possible. You know what I mean? Like, even if they're going to win every time, just let's not make it easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it, it, it's going to sound so fucking cheesy, but I just watched Van Wilder again the other day. And it's <laughs> kind of that, it's kind of that uh, quote that he uses where it's, you know, you can't take life too seriously because you'll never make it out alive. Right. Like the end yeah of everybody's life is still death. So like why give up partway through that and die before you've ever died? Absolutely. Or like, you know, and whatever that death means, it's like, why stop learning? Why stop trying? You know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot of people would just get complacent, I think. And like, you know, especially when you get like in your thirties, forties, fifties or whatever, you know, it's like, you stop like trying to find new things that excite you and stuff, you know, like, yeah, it's like, just, there's no point of falling into that rut. There's nothing good to be found in there. Just like, <laughs> you know, like, that's coming from us guys that live in that rut, right? Like we, we've been here, we know there's nothing good there. You know, I try to, <laughs> you know, I try to keep a couple of claws right out of the top of it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do. I think it's, it's one of those things where to your point, a lot of people, and I've seen it in my own like friends and family over the years, they they get complacent, they get comfortable or or whatever it is. And it not that saying that you need to be like reckless by any means, but don't stop experiencing new things because you're scared that it may mess something else up. Like, yeah, maybe it's gonna make everything better, you know, maybe going for that promotion or leaving the company you're with, whatever is going to open that door to moving to your dream state or, you know, better work-life balance, whatever it is. But if you just sit in that complacency of, I know everything I need to know, I'm getting my paycheck the way I'm getting my paycheck, like everything's good. Then what are you, what are you doing? Like, are you okay with just sitting there forever? Exactly. Yeah. Um, talk about the ending track. What's in a goodbye anyway? <laughs> um, so that song is like, you know, I kind of had this idea for this song that uh, would definitely bring back that optimism from mm-hmm. from the first track. And I wrote this song as like a last track. Um, yeah. It was intentional, but like, uh, you know, the idea was like, uh, so what if we get to the end of our lives of this existence whatever that thing might be and like we figure out that it turns out so much cooler than we ever thought it could have you know let's just fucking kid around for a second that just over that hill there might be (laughs) something 
that's so much more amazing than we ever dreamed of. And like, you know, I'm not necessarily like talking about like uh, like a religious or spiritual existence right. or whatever. It's just like whatever that whatever that hill might be. It's just like, you know, it's just keep this idea that there might be something so much cooler than we ever thought there could be just right up there. And that's kind of like the theme of the song. Like technically, uh, I kind of like, uh, I kind of like tried to write that song like Alanis Morissette's Ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, and like most of the lyrics and the verses are just like statements about what a goodbye could be. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, because like, you know, if, if there's this idea that things are cyclical and they never like time is not linear, like everything is yeah. in perpetual motion and stuff like that. Then there's no real, there's no such thing as a goodbye. You know, there's no real, like, you know, there's no hard stop on the end of this thing for any of us. Um, so like, just like, okay, if that's the case, then what are, what, what can these, this thing be, you know, what, like what purpose can that idea serve, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a really kind of beautiful way to look at it too. What whether you're religious, spiritual, whatever, like the the end of whatever this life is very likely is not truly a like you said a hard stop. Like matter, energy, you know, however deep you want to get with it like just repeats itself. Are you yeah. going to have consciousness and and be the same person again? No, life well who knows, right? Life may be a simulation. We don't fucking know. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> conceptually, no, you're not going to be the same person. But, you know, there is also some sort of weird, you know, timeline, if you will, the multiverse of timelines where like what you're going yeah. through now is altering what you go through in this other life or whatever. Um, there's ridiculous theories about like deja vu being the crossover of some of those timelines and things like that and it's this really weird kind of existential moment that you're I, having I love yeah Did getting I lose into you? that stuff man oh dude it's so <laughs> yeah. good it's so good like it 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 does spiral into Absolutely. some existentialism but like at the same time when you start opening your mind to that possibility that what I do now maybe affects a better version of me or stops a worse version of me, a more depressed version of me, whatever. Like it's this really cool and empowering moment. And I think to your point with that song, like what's in a goodbye, who, who knows, right? Like maybe we're all fucking wrong and there truly is a hard stop and a goodbye is a goodbye. But the optimism to your point of like trying to resurge some of that optimism is there's not a hard stop. So a goodbye is not a farewell. It's not a finale. It's a, this chapter may be closing, but something else is opening up. Yeah, definitely. And like, I, I love thinking about and like reading about deja vu stuff and Mm -hmm. like, parallel existences and stuff like that you know and i always like yeah <laughs> i mean you know i don't get super crazy into it but i definitely entertain myself on almost a daily basis thinking about like you know having weird feelings that feels like oh maybe i just brushed a little a little close to like the me that's right next to me mm-hmm. you know what i mean um and it's just i don't know it's fun stuff to think about yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, for anyone out there that's listening, like, I highly recommend doing a little research on some of the theories around deja vu and, and stuff like that, because it is this really cool, like, concept about how our minds, our bodies, whatever, our energy is so much more powerful than we can even begin to comprehend. And some of that's that bleed over of, like you said, kind of I brushed too close to this other vibration of me and I, mm-hmm. I siphoned off some of that. And it's just this really, really cool thing. It, I personally, for me, like reading into some of that um, has really helped with the, the depression side of stuff where it's like, you know, I've dealt with mental health my whole life, but then I have those 
those moments of deja vu or whatever. And it opens my mind to like, it's okay that I'm struggling now because it doesn't always have to be that way. There's other things out there and I'll catch glimpses of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so for you guys, you know, the, the record's going to be dropping. Like we said earlier, technically COVID is over, even though it's probably as bad as it's ever been. Uh, yeah. But live music is back. So for 2024, what's kind of your vision, your hope for what you guys are able to do off this record? Um, we uh, we're booking a couple album release shows that are kind of special things where like at least the one in Atlanta that's coming up, we're going to play the like we're going to play the record in its entirety, um, which is like you get one time to do that, I think. And then everybody's like, all right, enough of that. Uh, you just, <laughs> you know. They came to see the hits or whatever. Not right. that we have any, but um, we are. Uh, we'll be announcing super soon a run that we're doing to uh, Europe and the UK with our buddies New Junk City. Um, that'll be happening this spring, and then uh, yeah, as soon as it starts to warm up a little bit, we're gonna hit as many places as we can. You know, um, all of us have a lot of other obligations in life these days so like it's going to be little spurts and stops of uh you know two three four five show runs here and there but yeah i'm gonna try to get everywhere we can yeah yeah and i i think you know some people hate that but they also are the same people that are like detached from reality right like if it was a 18 year old kid sure maybe they can just fuck off for six months and just go straight to her but like as we get older to your point like there's real jobs involved there's significant others there's children there's you know there's a variety yeah. of things that we as human beings in this super capitalistic world that we live in have to take care of in order to do these other things so but i think you know the flip side sure. of that too is a for you guys doing five to seven day runs, whatever gives you time to, to kind of recharge in between runs of, of the tours. Uh, but also it allows you to be like hyper-specific, right. And know that you're going to yeah. a city and let the people know that, Hey, I'm coming to your city because we've chosen to come to your city. We're not just shotgunning against the wall. Like we've chosen to come here. Yeah. Which I mean, in some ways increases the pressure a little bit, you know, yeah. because, you know, we don't have like a 27 show run where it's like, all right, those first three weren't great, but like, you know, but the main thing that sucks about doing short runs is uh, like the first three shows pretty much always suck yeah. in my opinion, not like not crowd wise, venue wise, nothing like that. But like, as far as the band being dialed in, like mm -hmm. you just, you suck no matter how much you practice. Uh, like you can get in the practice space and we can like, we can jam that stuff nonstop and be like as tight as can be. And then you get on stage and there's all these weird anomalies because we don't travel with our own sound guy. There's going to yep. be a different sound guy every night. Monitors are going to be weird, you know? And it's like, so you got to like, I don't know. The repetition of doing more shows gets everybody on the same wavelength. So like, even if everything is going wrong up there, you're still doing all right. But if like, yeah. You know, if everything's going wrong up there and you're just like fresh, like, oh, we, we all just worked all week and now we're going to play this show, like, it ain't going to go that well. And like, you know, maybe a lot of people don't notice, you know, I overthink all this stuff and I hyper fixate right. on it, you know what I mean? But like, but yeah, so in that regard, I wish we could do longer runs where it just becomes second nature. You'd have to, you stop thinking about what you're doing up there and you just get to like, really enjoy the show rather than hanging on for dear life but like you know yeah we do what we can do well and i i think it's funny because you know bands always talk about oh we've been in the rehearsal space we've done this we've done that to prep for tours and it's like don't get me wrong that's obviously great but how often when you're set up in your practice space do you break down your gear and replug it in to make sure that everything that you did it in the right <laughs> sequence and stuff like that because you know when you're loading in at a venue fuck you know we didn't put the the board in line in the right place or something like that 
causes an issue. There's all these little things that it's like, yeah. oh shit, like we never thought that that could be a problem. We're pretty, we're pretty militant about our process. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything goes in the same place in the road cases and those road cases go in the same configuration in and out of the van and in the practice space every time. Um, but yeah, that being said, uh, certain shows, we can't play our normal rigs. We have to use different stuff. And like we were playing Fest this year, we were playing a set that we were very excited about playing. And uh, like we played right before Sam I Am, which are some heroes, you know, yeah. those, they're rad. Uh, and since we're a trio, I play out of two guitar amps. And I can normally only hear one of them unless the sound guy is really good because the other amp is on the other side of the stage. And like we do that so like there's not this weird dichotomy of only guitars here only yeah. bass here kind of blends everything but i normally can't hear that amp and the head that was powering that cabinet over there was one that i'd never used before and before we left i put spike tape on the top of it to make sure all the knobs were just like they were supposed to be and there was one little toggle switch on the front that i didn't mark and i didn't pay attention to and it was flipped down when it should have been flipped up that sound was dog shit on that side of the stage and yeah. i started seeing <laughs> videos the next day and i was like what the fuck <laughs> but, you know but, you know, what can you do? You can do nothing, you know, it's like yeah. shit happens. And had yeah. we like, you know, had we already done, you know, six, seven, ten shows on that run with that rig, it would have happened maybe the first night, maybe the second night, but it wouldn't have happened that night. You know what I right. mean? But just is what it is. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, a cool thing that probably goes unnoticed, too, is you know, being a trio, like you said, having that second um, setup off on the other side, like from a listener standpoint for the fans that are listeners, maybe that don't understand what that does crowd wise, <clears throat> it essentially turns it back into stereo music instead of mono hearing yeah. guitar in your left ear, bass in your right. And then your brain tries to mix it versus hearing it all together and going, oh, mm -hmm. cool. I get it. Yeah. So, um, I like to, uh, do these shitty cards because I refuse to think of better questions as I end episodes. So I bought this game called hot takes and it's All just right. like funny opinions and, and shit like that. So we can agree, disagree, uh, expand on some of them, whatever it is. Okay. Uh, so, so the first one kind of funny, since we just talked about, uh, life responsibilities, men should get just as long on parental leave as women. Well, I we should probably start with like women actually getting some leave there. You know what I mean? Like, right. uh, <laughs> that would be fair too. Yes. Yeah. Are we talk like are we in Germany right now? You know, are we in Finland right now? I was going to so, say Germany then, takes sure. care of their people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like uh, I think both parents in Finland get like a year paid. You know, yeah. um, in our country and and uh, a secured position. If I'm not yes. mistaken, like your your job is secure. They can't replace yeah, sure. you. All that. Yeah. Uh, do I think we should get, you know, paternal leave in this country? Absolutely. But we should probably focus on the, uh, maternal leave first. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a fair assessment. I, I think you're right. If, if we were giving real maternal leave in the, the same fashion as some of those countries, then we could have that discussion that fathers <laughs> should be there as well. But yeah, the fact that it's sure. like, Hey, uh, after you get done pushing out that kid, if you could be back on like Thursday, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it's it's incredible it's it's something i don't know if incredible is the right thing but i meant in uh, a bad way <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah uh this one i don't think is that big of a hot take but nfts are a waste of money <laughs> fuck yes they are <laughs> right <laughs> i mean as a visual artist you know like you know every every outlet that reports on art was like obsessed for a minute and then, like, uh, after a few months, you started to be able to see the veil getting pulled back a little bit. And it was like, okay, a lot of these outlets are actually helping to push this stuff so that there's, like, right. a, a short-term cash grab here for, you know, it's a fucking pyramid scheme, you know? And, like, what? hey, maybe a couple legitimate creators, you know, made some cool things and got some benefits. But by and large, it's a fucking scam. Yeah, that's my thing is like, 
so it's I'm trying to think of the way I want to word that. So you're essentially buying digital artwork, which sounds great in one sense, but like that means that you don't truly own it, right? Like, okay, I if I if I buy a Banks Banksy uh you know piece of work, it's the only one in the fucking world. I own that thing. Yeah. But as a <laughs> NFT, they could just be like, oh well, you just got edition one here's the other 43 that we're releasing as edition two well i feel like it's worse than that i feel like so it's digital art so it's infinitely reproducible Mm -hmm. and almost open source at that point but they just invented a rule saying you were the only person that actually owns it even though a billion other people can just screen grab it or whatever they want to do to keep it and probably have it in the same quality, you know, right. visually, you know, but instead they made up a fake rule saying you're the only person to own it. And guess what? Now it has a huge fucking carbon footprint for some reason. <laughs> so yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. You, you own that weird sad face, you know, with ice cream on top of its head or whatever. And uh, now you're killing the ozone layer by yeah. owning it. So that's cool. Yeah. It- it's so it's so weird and it kind of goes into i'm not going to pretend to be an expert but it goes into digital currency as well right like bitcoin stuff like that like okay cool conceptually that's a really great idea however there has to be true monetary value behind it as well because what's the value in it if i if i just perfect examples the whatever it was shiba coin or whatever that fucking Elon Musk or Dogecoin when he, hey, yeah. this is worth X number of dollars. No, the fuck it's not. It's a a piece of a piece of a piece of a piece of information that means nothing to anybody. There's no real value in it. It's pretty similar to the US dollar you're saying. But yeah, almost exactly. Just a, again, in a digital <laughs> format. So, um. <laughs> the the last one that we're going to do i think we kind of yeah. kind of touched on it time is a construct that's, uh, that's yeah, the whole thing it's a complicated it one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it's a whole rabbit hole that you can go down i think it's really interesting it it hurt my head um i'm sure you've seen hank green on tiktok right so he I haven't actually you should look him up he does just these ridiculous videos and he'll send you spiraling down rabbit holes but he was talking about uh like so essentially the way that we know that the big bang happened and all that is we've looked back at the universe and if we look in this direction blah 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 right and the problem is when he starts explaining it he's like this is where your head's going to explode is we can look backwards in time but not forwards in time but no matter what direction we look in, in space, we're looking backwards in time. So there's no, you know what I mean? He's like, all this shit is expanding in every single possible direction, but they all lead back to the exact same point as well. Yeah. And like, it cannot. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I love to think about that stuff, you know? And like, I love to entertain that idea of like, time isn't even real, man. Then it's like, you work a 70 hour week and wake up at 6 a.m. again and again and again. And you're like, time is fucking real. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and it's killing me. You know, like the the corporate uh, world is Groundhog's Day. Like, (laughs) yeah, brutal. it's, it's a wild thing to, to really dive into, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So kind of the, the traditional outro that I do, um, again, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really, really appreciate it. I think that this album is is hands down going to be one of those albums this year, especially from the, the smart punk roster that is like, look at what we're doing because A, it matters and B, we're having trouble existing as well and you're going to relate to this shit. So like, here's a- Thanks, a, Thanks so you much. Know, yeah, here's here's a piece of artwork to help you cope with what you're coping with. Um, but no, my traditional outro, take all the time you need, 
promote whatever you want to promote. Obviously, I'll link all your socials and stuff, but you know, where can people find you? What's the best way to interact with you guys? Things like that. Yeah. Um, so the record comes out on February 2nd, which is very soon. Um, we have another single, uh, the third, third and final single, uh, I think comes out on the 11th of this month. So in a couple more days, there'll be another single to listen to out there. Um, February 2nd, the record comes out. Uh, there's four different variants of this record that you can find. One of them is a Gunner Records exclusive to the EU. Um, we have an exclusive variant through our Bandcamp, and Smart Punk Records has an exclusive variant through their web store as well. Um, and they also started a uh, Smart Punk Record Club for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. And every record that comes out this year um, will have an exclusive variant for the club that only people who join the club up front will get um, the variant that they made for uh, for our club edition is a super cool one too. Yeah. So if you're uh, a person like me that likes different variants of records and stuff like that, there's a lot of stuff to choose from and a lot of different ways to get it. Um, but the biggest hope is that just people listen to it. It's everywhere that you listen to music. Um, it'll be there on February 2nd. And then uh, we have a show February 9th in atlanta that's our album release for anywhere around there especially in atlanta please come to that show <laughs> um but yeah we're mainly active on instagram that's that's yeah if pretty you wanna, common <laughs> if you want to if you want to talk to us we're there awesome that that show on the ninth in atlanta where what venue for people uh it's our favorite venue in the city it's called the earl the earl um it's uh best small club in the city, probably the Southeast, one of the best in the country. It's amazing. We love that place. Um, our friends, 500 bucks from Philly are coming down to play with us. There's going to be uh, some stand-up comedy involved, some uh, like an all-vinyl DJ set happening. Lots of craziness. It'll be fun. Awesome. Sounds like a great time. Uh, yeah. That's everything I've got for you, Joe. I really, like I said, I appreciate it. I think this album is an incredible uh, introspective coping mechanism um and that's coming from a fellow depressed (laughs) human being so uh really like what you've done and uh can really appreciate and and kind of admire you know that you're so willing to put yourself out there in this fashion and um unabashedly you know say this is this is what we go through this is life uh it's not always pretty it's often messy so man i I can't thank you enough for, you know, putting the time in to listen to the record and think about it and uh, really, uh, really have some really valid points to talk about. I really enjoyed talking to you about it. Just uh, thanks for talking to me. I've really had a blast hanging out with you for the last hour, man. Yeah. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. I'll keep you posted on when this goes live and everything. But uh, yeah, when you start making those tour runs, if you get up to the Indiana area, Chicago, something like that, I'll definitely be out. That sounds great. I look forward to it. Awesome. Talk to you soon, man. All right. Take care. See ya. See ya. And that was my conversation with Joseph Lazary of the band Reconciler. Like I said, a huge shout out to him for having that conversation, for taking the time to uh, connect with me and um, being so open and, and kind of, you know, transparent with some of that stuff as far as what it takes for them when they're building an album and things like that uh we got you know kind of deep there talking about the the deja vu thing um definitely one of the conversations that you know i didn't expect to have but i'm glad we did and i think it was a lot of fun uh for me hopefully not putting words in joseph's mouth i mean he kind of said it there at the end but um you know hope he enjoyed that conversation as well and just being um, connected in this world where, you know, music is really the driving force to a lot of our motivations in life and things like that. So again, huge shout out to him. Definitely want you guys to go over, give him a like, share, subscribe, follow. As always, I'll have all their socials and everything linked in the description of this podcast. So be sure that you do that. Um, and yeah, check out the new album again. It is called art for our sake. 
It is dropping on February 2nd via Smart Punk Records. So definitely want you guys to go check that out. Um, And yeah, that's everything I've got for you on this episode. As always, thank you guys so much for everything you do, for allowing this podcast to um, carry on and just allowing me to, you know, be able to talk to these artists that I really enjoy and that you guys are coming to enjoy or maybe have enjoyed in their, you know, joining the podcast as, as a request from some of you and things like that. So, um, again, just, I can't thank you enough for everything and yeah, be sure do all the free shit for the podcast because it really does help. So the free shit is give it a like, a share, subscribe, follow, um, comment on Instagram, stuff like that. All boosts the analytics of it. It boosts the reach of it which in turn allows me to uh, secure artists when I'm pitching because I have numbers to back it up. So, um, yeah, if you guys could keep doing that, that'd be great. So that is everything for this episode, guys. As always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.